0: The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. All right, it's Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. You can find Midwest Swing at Midwest Swing Pod. You can find zone coverage at zone coverage mn. I'm your host Brandon Warren, and you can find me on Twitter at Brennan underscore Warren. No Tom Schreier again today. So last week we had Ozzie Guillen Jr. on the program. We've got Justin Bailey back producing at I am Justin Bailey. No microphone near his mouth, so we'll uh, we'll just leave him conspicuously in the background. But good to have him back. Good to be feeling a little better this week. Last week I was dealing with walking pneumonia. This week. I'm coming off being diagnosed with basically the beginnings of pneumonia, but I've been on antibiotics all week. Yeah, Bailey's just shaking his head over there. But hopefully fewer dump slash mute buttons for me to cough. I think last week's show, which went an hour and a half, had like 13 or 14 dumps. So <laughs> and that probably reflects on the show too with <laughs> the quality it was. But um, we had a fun show this week. a friend of the a friend of the show and a friend of mine from Twitter at d or sorry at dianagram db firstman how are we doing today good morning i'm having a great
1: great day and uh great to be on the show
0: yeah so a lot of fun stuff to talk to you about you're working on a book which is going to be kind of the bulk of the program but first of all are you are you coming to us from new york beautiful new york city four Hills, queens So how how far are you from like the heart of manhattan or how far from let's say yankee stadium how far are you from yankee stadium
1: Uh, I'm about an hour on the train from the, from Yankee stadium and about 15 to 20 minutes from City Field.
0: Wow. Not bad. I've, I went to Shea stadium and the old Yankee stadium in 2006. And then we trekked over to Boston. So I kind of hit the three stadiums there in relatively close proximity. However, the new stadiums I have not seen yet. Have you been to both of them? I trust you have to at least one of them. And, And what do you think?
1: Uh, I have been to both of them. Um, the the new Yankee Stadium is is <laughs> to to coin a phrase monumental. Mm-hmm. It is it is a a testament to all that is Yankee dumb. And it, it it of course it's excessive. It's overblown. <laughs> it is in your face. Um, is it sterile? Yeah.
0: Is it, is Excuse it just, me. Is it feel sterile a little bit like almost like overproduced like you're listening to an ESPN studio show or something? <laughs>
1: I think that would be an appropriate, uh, commentary on it. I think it's, it's, it tries to be a little bit of everything, you know, they've got a hard rock cafe, they've got their museum, they've got their, you know, of course, Monument Park is still there. Of course. Um, they've got the bar in center field, which obstructs, you know, like, tw- you know, 20% of the bleachers. Oh, uh, they, they, they tried to do everything with the ballpark except perhaps have a Ferris wheel. <laughs> um, so i i actually prefer city Fields. Mm-hmm. um the the aesthetics of the ballpark i mean you're still it's still looking out over flushing bay which is nothing to be uh, writing home about but uh it, the the concourses are nice and wide uh the food is is reasonable and and plentiful and um it just feels like there's a more familial uh, atmosphere to it, and it seems more family friendly. And there are more. There, there seems to be more stuff for kids to do, that you know, who might not be wanting to watch the baseball game, but maybe run off and and mm-hmm. you know do a fast pitch contest or something like that. So I think the the Mets have you know even with their. Uh, ode to the Brooklyn Dodgers and Jackie Robinson. I think they've done a nice job with their their park with Citi Field.
0: Have you ever been to Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City? No, I have not. Okay, so one of my favorite parts, and you mentioned things for kids to do. What I like about it is the outer edges of, like, the right and left field corners almost take you out of the stadium but keep you in the stadium in that there's grass and sidewalks, and then behind center field there's, like, a little field for kids to play in, you know, like the wiffle ball fields and stuff, but it feels like you're not confined to the area. They got the big berm and they've got the interstate off in the left and left center, you know, beyond the fence there. But I do like the idea that, you know, you can bring kids and they don't have to be confined to just their seat, which I mean, in a lot of ways, I've only been to New York once, but I feel like there's already enough confining you in New York space wise Why not let your kids stretch their uh, legs out a little bit and go have a little fun? So I think I like that about how you've explained City Field as well.
1: Yeah, I I would tend to agree with you. I think, you know, given the attention spans of kids and the way the baseball games go on for three and a half hours now, you have to provide alternate entertainment for your children at the ballpark or else you're just going to have screaming kids.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's no question about that. Yeah, and so, you know, you have to create... New fans for this game, and that's certainly something that's been a challenge for Rob Manfred and before him Bud Selig. So there's no question about it that I think those things are good for the game. Now, for some reason, I've always thought of you as a Yankee fan. Am I completely off base there?
1: All right. Well, we have to go back in my history. Sure, and that's um, that's,
0: that's a perfect place to start.
1: Yeah, let's let's start there. My 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 parents were divorced when I was two. My father would come over. My mother had had. Um, custody of me. My father would come over on weekends, plop himself on the couch, and turn on the Yankee game. Mm -hmm. And so if I wanted to sort of uh, interact with my father, it was going to have to be through baseball and through the Yankees. But we grew up in Jackson Heights, which was 10 minutes away from Shea Stadium. So every time he wanted to go to a ball game and take me along, I was like, Dad, why can't we go to Shea Stadium? You know, it's 10 minutes away. And he said, no, <laughs> Yankees, 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 Yankees. Yep. You know, he would have been he would have been buried in his Yankee and in his Yankee hat if he had his brothers. But um, so my Yankee fandom was um Pretty much done by the time I got into my mid to late twenties, mm-hmm. um, my father passed away, and i I sort of became more interested in in baseball in general and of course, fantasy baseball means your 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 allegiances are scattered all over the country in terms of who you follow and who you like um, so but nowadays, I think i'm tending more towards the Mets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find them a more interesting sort of you know, they they've got their they've got their problems, they've got issues <laughs> like like any other team, but they're they're an interesting team to follow and I, I like their, their broadcast team. I think Gary, Keith, and Ron are the best T V broadcast team out there mm-hmm. and they're fun to listen to. So that makes the games more enjoyable even if the product on the field is a little bit lacking.
0: Sure. Sure. That makes sense. So Yeah. Your Twitter name is Dianagram. Is is that kind of indicative of you liking kind of like puns and obviously i've seen that. i think you're into scrabble too so you're you're just kind of a wordy person is that fair to say
1: uh that is definitely correct to say i grew up my my mother and i would grow up playing card games and she taught me how to play scrabble at an early age Mm -hmm. and i joined i started a, a scrabble club in my high school I play tournament Scrabble uh, at venues all across the country. Yes, there are Scrabble, there are competitive Scrabble tournaments across the country, um, and um, I've always been into wordplay and spoonerisms and puns and and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the Dianagram is an ode to um, my my wordplay and word knowledge and just the fun I have with. You know, anagramming and things of that nature, crossword puzzles, et cetera, et cetera. So
0: you, you kind of explained already how you became a baseball fan. How – I guess what I, what I want to ask, and I, I'm going to try to be delicate here, is, is is that a pleasant memory for you or not? See, I, I grew up watching baseball with my grandmother, and it's a pleasant memory even though she died when she was young and I was young. But at the same time, too, it's like, yo, know, I wish I could have had more time with her. You, you know, you talk about your parents being divorced and your dad coming over and, you know, kind of forging the relationship through baseball. Maybe that wouldn't have been your first choice based on your age. Uh, it, so is, is becoming a baseball fan strictly a pleasant memory for you or is there some negative to it as well?
1: Well, I, I think there is a added importance to what baseball means to me because it was the 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 pathway in which I managed to connect with my father. My father, um, had mental health issues. He was paranoid. He was delusional. Mm -hmm. He was agoraphobic. He, he had a, he had a litany of issues and, um, really the, the connecting viaduct for me with him was baseball. And I, I, I just took to it, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Doris Kearns Goodwin is the same way with with you know telling her story about growing up as a baseball fan because of her uh, because of her father. Um, it's it's not just fathers and sons; it can be fathers and daughters. And I'm an only child, and um, I didn't have to fight off you know siblings for my my parents' attention. But baseball for me struck so many different chords in terms of. The beauty of the game—it's—it's—it's it's, it's simplicity yet its complexities in terms of, um, you know, just the the uh, the athleticism and the, you know, there was numbers involved and I love numbers. I I, I crunch numbers all day. I'm a data analyst. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the the history. There there's so much history to the game and it's interwoven into the American American. Uh, history itself it is such a, a, a part of the American fabric Of course it's a national pastime it, I think we all have you know some attachment to baseball and for me it was you know it, my having my father as as you know as who he was if if the if baseball was going to be the way I was going to connect to him then that's fine it, it there is no there's no sort of sadness in my baseball affinity. There's only happy memories and, and opportunities to meet new people. And there's, you know, every game is different. You know, every every mm-hmm. outcome, you something you've never seen before will happen in a game. Uh, there's just a beauty to the game that I really, really appreciate on, on many, many different levels.
0: Now, how many stadiums have you been to and, and which one is your favorite? I have to ask about Target Field, too, if you've been yet and hopefully someday if not you will but
1: i ha- i have been to target field i'm a member of saber sure and they have na- they have national conventions you know each year uh going from city to city a couple a couple years yeah. ago we did go out to minnesota and we went to target field uh i love i love the view it's uh, and the stadium's quite nice i would have to say that um I've been out to what what are they calling Safeco now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh is it it's uh T Mobile, I think.
1: T Mobile Stadium, yes. Well when back when it was Safeco, I went out there and I thought aesthetically the the stadium was beautiful, the the concourses were wide, the food choices were nice, mm-hmm. uh the view from the stands uh is terrific. Uh Petco was wonderful too. I love the downtown venue. Um it's nice to have something to look out beyond the field and, and see some aesthetically pleasing, you know, landscape, you know, like PNC park in Pittsburgh is, is beautiful. Also. Mm -hmm. I finally got to go there last year, uh, a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, it's, it's PNC, it's T-Mobile. Um, and, um, yeah, I think those are kind of my favorites, although I, I have been, I have been to, um, I have been to Baltimore. I've been to Camden Yards, mm-hmm. and um, in fact, Sabre's next convention will be in Baltimore next year. And I think we are going to Camden Yards again, so that'll be another treat because that's a that's a beautiful stadium, and it's 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 aged well. You know, um, you know, it's over twenty five years old now, right? So right, uh, right. they they you know it's it's a beautiful stadium.
0: Is Target Field in your top five, or is it probably a little further out than that?
1: Um, I. Don't think I have enough data (laughs) on Target Field. I've only been there like once or twice. Uh, We need more Uh, data. It's 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 representative. It's it's certainly not not a a non-favorite of mine, but I wouldn't say it's it's top five. So
0: you kind of briefly teased about what you do outside of enjoying baseball for work. What what do you do? I, I I saw on I think Facebook it said you work New York Department of Corrections. Is that still
1: accurate? That is that is accurate. I am a career civil servant. Uh, I work for the uh, corrections department uh, in their data analytic data analytics unit, uh, working in population research. Basically, I count inmates oh. uh, and I, I crunch numbers using SPSS and Excel and Tableau and uh, analyze population trends and uh, share data with other agencies. So I'm I'm in front of a computer, in front of a spreadsheet or or, you know, a template of some sort most of my days.
0: Do you work on site or from home then?
1: Uh, I work in an administrative building sure. uh across uh we have a building across from LaGuardia Airport. I used to work on Rikers Island oh, for wow. all the time. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a treat. <laughs> um, didn't get into c- too much contact with inmates themselves, but I did work on Rikers Island for a while. But we, we we have an administrative building across from LaGuardia Airport.
0: So you call yourself a career-long civil servant. How many parallels are there between you and Cliff Clavin?
1: <laughs> I don't know if that's an uncomfortable <laughs> laugh or if that's
0: an appreciative laugh. I'm I'm having a hard time reading the room here.
1: <laughs> That's an appreciative laugh. Okay, good. I, okay, good. Uh, that, let's put it this way: um, there, there is the. Some people will say that city city civil servants are are lazy and they you know they just sit there and collect their paycheck and other and you know I I'm not like that. I have I have worked in various positions within the city government. I've been a budget director. I've been an analyst. I I worked in you know different city agencies. Um, I, I'm, I'm dedicated to making the city a better place. And I, I take pride in being a civil servant and, um, you know, it's, it's a great career.
0: What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't doing that though?
1: <clears throat> well, um, I originally, <laughs> I had the Walter Middeus fantasy of being baseball's first female GM. Sure. I went to, yeah, I went to St. John's university as a undergrad, um and studied athletic administration basically the business side of sports and couldn't really find a job coming out of college so I went back to grad school I got a I got a um masters in quantitative analysis base, basically business stats um but I I really wish you know given all the opportunities that there are for for women in my minorities today Mm -hmm. you know i wish i had grown up you know 30 years later uh the the opportunities weren't weren't as plentiful back then so i you know i would have loved to have been you know in the baseball industry itself whether it was administratively or you know some something like that but it just wasn't meant to be so so i'm i'm a devoted fan and that's that's fine
0: so I have this kind of recurring thought or just kind of like a, a, how I remember you as the Lisa Simpson Moneyball photo. And yes. it's kind of like hand-in-hand hand how I identify your Twitter handle, your Facebook. Are you a Simpsons fan in general? Um, of the
1: early years, yeah. Sure. Okay, that's fair. That's yeah. fair.
0: And that that came yeah, out in twenty ten. I think every
1: everybody can be a fan of the first, you know, six to eight years of The Simpsons, the glory years mm-hmm. of, of, you know, of of and and his and his crew there. Yes.
0: So, how did you become aware of the Moneyball episode? I think they were called the Isotots, which is funny because of the isotopes from all the other baseball references they've made over the years. But how did you become aware of that episode specifically?
1: I I. I Pretty much had not watched much of The Simpsons in, in recent years until, you know, of course, the internet prompts you and says, "Oh, Bill James is going to be on on The Simpsons, and they're going to talk about Moneyball." And like, of course, you know, then you tune in and you watch, and you know, everybody's got a screen cap of various cells from from the show itself. And I just picked up on Lisa Simpson you know, with all her books and her and her laptop. And I'm like, yeah, that's me that I can relate to that. And uh, the episode itself was pretty funny with with them sitting at the bar and Professor Frank and, you know, they're just nerding out on statistics. And uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Did you uh,
0: So you obviously remember the softball episode where you know they had Burns as Ringers with I think Steve Sachs and Mike Sosha and a lot of names yeah. that maybe will identify more as early '90s fans than than maybe more modern day stuff. But does, that that to me is one of the best episodes, and I have to imagine it ranks pretty highly on your list too.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> mean uh, the the walk off hit by pitch. You know you don't see that often in baseball, no. uh, in real life baseball. But you know that's that's sort of the the you know, the cherry on top of the uh Ice Cream sundae for for dramatic effect. Um and, you know, just, you know, Homer's interactions with Daryl Strawberry, like, I play right field, you play right field. <laughs> so <laughs> uh it, it's it's a classic episode. It, it 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 has aged quite well even though the players are no longer active, but it's it's still Good for uh, a bunch of chuckles every time you see it.
0: So I kind of hit the lull like you did watching The Simpsons, and I think I must have turned it back on. I don't know. It's been a while now, but Ned Flanders was married to Mrs. Krabappel, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, you do, you stop watching for just 10, 15 years, and all of a sudden <laughs> they have these characters marry each other. And just, I don't know. I, that was like the one time I actually thought I was kind of funny. Like, yeah, you know, it's not like I've been a, a, a an ardent watcher for the last few years, but that to me just kind of like turned my world upside down.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that would, that would rock my world too. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a, a Simpsons encyclopedic, uh, you know, um, <laughs> fan, but it, that, you know, strange, stranger things have happened in, in TV history, but that's, that's up there. So
0: let's transition to writing for a second. What is or what more accurately was value over replacement grit?
1: Uh, value over replacement grit was my um, blog from 2011 through 2018 when I stopped to start writing the book, mm-hmm. um, and it was basically going to be a amalgam of either quirky statistical uh, analysis or you know I, I've done everything from. I had, I had a column called Sabbath metrics, which was analyzing whether Ju- Jewish baseball players did better or worse on the Sabbath. Um, and I, I had, I had song parodies based on player names where I would rewrite Christmas songs using only baseball player names. So there was, there was something for everybody there. I had a, I had the annual pie young award for the pitcher <laughs> whose ear came with closest to 3.14. Uh, there was something for everybody. It was a little bit off the beaten path. It wasn't meant to be taken too seriously. I didn't get into many serious topics. looking more at the whimsical side of baseball. I wasn't trying to be taken that seriously. I mean, I, I would occasionally do a you know a serious book review mm-hmm. of you know either baseball prospectus or or things like that. But it was really aiming for the sweet spot of you know. We love baseball. We don't we we appreciate its beauty, but we also hey, look, isn't this funny?
0: Yeah, I I have a strong appreciation for that. I have to ask you, are you aware of the Twitter account Don Zemmer?
1: Uh yes, I am, and <laughs> we are face we are we are Twitter friends and we are Twitter fans of each other. Yes. That's it,
0: so for people who don't know, maybe I'm explaining this to Bailey, but this person takes baseball reference player pages and turns them into songs so they've been like all-star by smash mouth old town road by i think that's billy ray cyrus i whatever the current version of billy ray cyrus is um it it, it, uh star spangled banner i don't know if i have a favorite i don't know if you have a favorite feel free to share if you do but that's the kind of brilliance that reminds me that the internet for all its warts is a pretty great place too
1: (laughs) Indeed, we all have special talents, and some of them are actually useful in day to day life um, it's uh, i haven't I haven't actually taken and and used face uh, used um, baseball reference photos but i I did link to baseball reference names in terms of my rewriting of christmas songs mm-hmm so I did the Twelve Days of Christmas, I did All Lang Zine, I did, you know, uh, the Dreidel song for for Hanukkah. Oh, yeah. And I, I I basically linked to player names, you know. Um it, you know, and Zimmer has has basically taken taken that and you know one upped me. His 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 work is is tremendous and I'm I'm a big fan. So let's get down to business here. You
0: are on the show specifically to help us understand why in the world you wrote this book, Hall of Name, baseball's most magnificent monikers from the only Nolan to Van Lingle Mungo and more. I think I got that correct.
1: That is correct. It's and probably the longest. It'll probably be the longest title out there next year.
0: And what compels someone to write a book? Because to me, I've I've thought about it, but at the same time, too, it's it's a very very big time undertaking. My friend Stu Thornley, who you might know through Saber, I'm not sure. Yes. Is yes, I do. is the kind of person who would write a book. So I'm, I'm naturally skeptical of anyone who would write a book. Bu- I'm kidding, but, <laughs> but, but he's 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 something else. Let me just tell you. Anyway, 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 I think first of all, I want to say your Facebook, Twitter teasers are really, really brilliant because it engages. Maybe it engages someone different every time. Maybe it's the same people. But it continues to build that. I don't know if you'd call it brand equity or the interest in the book, but it just continues to cycle, and I think that's a great idea.
1: Well, th- well, thank you. And um, the the book is actually a um, a continuation or a, a you know a maturation of a column that I had in my blog, where I basically looked at unusual player names and sort of dissected them in terms of their etymologies mm-hmm. and their uh, you know, the, you know, what their careers were like, you know, some of them, some of them are, are household names. Some of them had a cup, only had a cup of coffee. Uh, you know, I did like Billy Joe mm-hmm. and Doug Goosh and a few others. And, you know, I profiled in on my blog and what happened was, um, maybe, 2018, mid-2018 or so, uh, I got an offer to write a book um, on the Subway series, and uh, it would have been through, um, I believe, you know, it would have been a a major undertaking, and frankly, I didn't really have the time. I had a full-time job, but it got me thinking that, you know, I think I have a book in me. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I have something that wants to get out there in terms of, you know, blog posts are great, you know, they're, they're, but, you know, seeing something in print, you know, seeing something in real book form with pages and, and photos and, you know, your name on the cover there, there's quite an allure. There's quite a, a, uh, sort of, uh, Uh, a thrill of having uh, something more, you know, personal and, and, and substantial to your writing credentials. And, you know, people, people have told me, you know, you're really funny. You're really creative. Mm -hmm. Why, you know, where, what are you going to do with this? You know, 20 years ago, you know, I had a, a literary agent come up to me and say, you're, you know, you're really funny. You should write a book. And I, I never really found the topic to write about. I, I you know, I, I came up with various ideas and what happened with the, the names book was back in two thousand twelve I approached a couple of independent publishers, niche publishers mm-hmm. with the idea of writing this book, you know, the, the the Hall of Name book and they said to me, Personally, we love the idea, but it just won't sell. Mm-hmm. And so I stashed that away. I I, I said, okay, so it's not going to sell. It's not going to, you know, I'll I'll put it away. I'll do do my little blog posts, and I'll be happy that way. I'll get my my kicks by writing about various names. And then self-publishing sort of took off. You know, everybody's everybody's publishing their own little manifestos and their own little uh, novels and things like that. And self-publishing has has sort of allowed people to have a voice that might not have had a voice before. Um, and so, when I was you know when I turned down the book deal for, uh, back in 2018 about the subway series, I was like, well, I can still write a book. What can I write about? And so the the Hall of Name book came up in my mind again. It's like, you know, if I put my if if I if, you know. Nose to the grindstone here, and, and churn and churn through these names. I can put a book together of like a hundred names, uh, you know, in relatively short order of of you know their et- names and their etymologies and their careers and the funny facts about their names. And so I started in late 2018, you know, writing this book and. Uh, it, it came together pretty quickly. Um, you know, what, what I used for mostly my resources were uh, the Saber Bio Project has uh, biographies of nearly 5,000, actually more than 5,000 players now. So that, that helped me in terms of doing some of the research for the book. And then, you know, either newspapers.com or ancestry.com for, you know, family histories and, and you know, Name etymologies. How did this player get this particular name? So I've used various resources from the from the from the web, and you know, there's lots of niche um, books out there on player profiles from the 1800s. So it's come together pretty quickly, and I'm 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 excited about it.
0: When is the release date, and how firm is that? I mean, is it set in stone right now?
1: It's not quite set in stone because we've. Um, we are just now getting to the point of finalizing the manuscript and uh we have we have the cover we have the forward from jason stark Great uh which yeah uh, uh, pun pun
0: not intended but a great great writer great person to have do that
1: yeah he and he is very appreciative of great names and he's (laughs) always look to me for help with names in terms of have, have any two players ever had like a, you know, anagrammed names of a battery, you know? So, um, so I've got, I've got Jason Stark for the forward. I got John Thorne, the official major league baseball historian for a back cover blurb. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and I have a great cover by Tim Godden, who is an illustrator out in the UK and a huge baseball fan, so it's coming together. Uh, the manuscript has taken a little bit of time to put together, but it's being finalized. You know, this month, I'm hoping to get preview copies out to a bunch of people in late January, and then we're hoping, we're hoping to get it out to press uh, March, late March.
0: And I think your point about books, as a writer, is well taken. I think there's something to the permanence of books, to being in people's libraries, even. I feel like as a writer there's something so I don't know if you'd call it like austere but something so exciting about seeing your own book on your own bookshelf
1: uh-huh. that has to
0: be very rewarding. Is that pretty accurate you'd say?
1: Yeah, it it um I think it it gives legitimacy to everything I I write about. Mm-hmm. I I think it it, it lends it lends authenticity to to what you you say and that people people do appreciate what you have to say and and it's worthwhile and you know I I'm not expecting this to sell 10,000 copies but I I know from Twitter and from Facebook that there are a lot of people who are looking forward to this book and I'm like well okay so the niche publishers didn't want it seven or eight years ago but people do want this book and people do have an interest in the topic. So I, I, I'm going for it. And it's, it's, it'll be, it'll be one of the best parts of my writing career. If I, you know, once this book comes out and and I have a hard copy in my hand, it'll be, it'll be quite an accomplishment and I'll be very proud of it. And I hope, other people will take it take it and enjoy it in whatever way shape and form they like
0: based on the village I've observed around you I think that's likely to happen now when this is all said and done I mean I know nobody ever writes their first book for the money but which specific things do you think will be rewarding and in which maybe ranking you know obviously you're you're gonna scratch your creative itch you're gonna you, you'll make a little money I'm sure maybe a lot of money I don't know I've never written a book uh, will be a little of both that are rewarding? And then are you going to do any book signings? Do you have anything like that scheduled?
1: Um, I'm. Let me answer the second question first. Um, sure. I will – I'm arranging with – we have a, a sports bar, a baseball-themed really, uh, baseball sports bar in Manhattan called Foley's.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, i I got to get there someday.
1: Yes, you do. Everybody should make a pilgrimage to Foley's. It's right near Madison Square Garden. You can't miss it. Uh, I'm working on having a book signing at Foley's in early April. Um, that's not official yet, but um, but again, I'm self-publishing. It's hard to it's hard to get you know do my own publicity and get you know get you know time to and and a spot. You know, Barnes and Noble is not necessarily going to give me an evening to pub, to promote my book necessarily unless I I really go to my local Barnes and Nobles and say please please please. I don't, you know. So I'm, I'm hoping that through word of mouth, the book will sell, and, um, you know, word of mouth. And I'm, i I'm going on every podcast and every radio show, and uh, I've got like 40 or 50 people already lined up for preview copies. So you know, it's it's its own little cottage industry. You know, you, when you're when you're your own publisher, when you're your own author, and doing all of your all the work on your own, it's it's exhausting. I mean, you know, like, like I've told some people, you know, half the effort is writing the book, and then the other half of the effort is promoting it mm-hmm. and getting it out there and 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 just advertising the heck out of it to make sure that people know about it.
0: So. If I could recommend any part of this show to you, and I've I've never recommended this part to anybody else except for Don Zemmer, but we have an episode (laughs) just recently with Elling Hoffland. We're at the end of the show, and this is not the kind of show we are at all, but we played a quasi-drinking game about if you could make the person next to you in the room, we had three people and then a producer, if you could make that person laugh by saying a baseball name, they lose and they have to take a drink. And (laughs) the drink... Keep in mind, our producer's from Wisconsin, and they have Red Dog Beer, which he's trying to tell us is good, and it's it's garbage, but we made our own cocktail called Bulldog. It's half Red Bull, half Red Dog, and it is absolutely disgusting, but we had, we had an entire segment at the end of the show with Elling Hoffland where we're giggling about names like Jack Glasscock and Yep, uh, Heiney Miney was the one that the entire room <laughs> busted <laughs> out. I, I, I ended the game with this one because I knew we were already so giggly. It was like it was like we were a bunch of little kids in a room just saying the most funny things to, came to our mind. But if I could ever recommend anyone that specific portion of that show, you're going to be the second person I ever recommend that to because we had so much fun. And it, it just makes me think of the names that you're coming up with here which are just phenomenal.
1: Well, thanks. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, the focus of my book is not necessarily on nicknames. It's, it's really based on given names, their, their, their first, middle, and last name. Uh, there, there is a terrific book out there on uh, called Baseball Nicknames, which is um, by James Skipper. Uh, I wasn't trying to write a book on nicknames because, you know, nicknames are cute and they're, you know, everybody, you know, everybody who had, who played in the 1910s seemed to have a nickname for, for, for themselves. I mean, Icebox Chamberlain is one of my favorites, Uh, but I was looking for more of the, the intent of the parents to name their child something memorable You know, whether it was, you know, through, uh, for example, um, Drungo (laughs) Hayeswood had a cup of coffee with the Baltimore Orioles in the early 80s, I believe. He got his name from the results of a foot race organized by his mother. Wow. When Drungo's Drungo's mother was carrying Drungo about to give birth. She organized a foot race, and she, and Drungo had seven, seven siblings by, by this time. The seven siblings were going to have a foot race. Whoever run the, won the foot race to the hospital where mom was about to give birth would get to name the child. <laughs> one, of the, one of the kids wow. won the foot race, named the, ki- named the son Drungo because it was the last name of his best friend. And I'm unbelievable just like you can't make this stuff up i'm just kinda dumbfounded just like, it's just like where did this come from it's like is his 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 best friend's last name i mean
0: where how why <laughs> so so with each of these players i mean do you talk about their numbers at all or is it mostly anecdotes oh, yeah. stories is it yes. is it kind of a mix of whatever you feel like best exemplifies that player
1: um i you know in some of the cases you know some of these players had a cup of coffee or even even less than a cup of coffee, they had a sip of coffee. <laughs> um, so their their player profiles. I do the etymology of their name, you know how they got, you know what what the the um, origins of their name are, first, middle, and last. Mm-hmm. I do what position they played, what years they played, their playing career, like how they got into baseball and what they did on the baseball field and whether they followed it you know after after they retired what did, what did they do so it's not necess- it's not just a book where i'm saying ha ha look at this funny name i want right. to i want to pr- give the 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 reader some sense of the person behind the name and so i think i've accomplished that i have uh, a player profile section and then I have a ephemera section which is just little trivial t- tidbits about the person themselves um, so I think I've covered you know to, to coin a phrase covered all the bases in terms of providing a well rounded profile of the player and the and the person.
0: What were some unique challenges you didn't see coming writing a book like what, what might have been the one hardest thing and what was like the easiest thing?
1: The hard Thing was um, some of the players uh, that I wanted to write about had really no history online and didn't have there was there was no um, biography written about him or, you know, there's no books written about him. He, he just, you know, he existed on a page in, in baseball reference and his career lasted three games and mm. you didn't know anything else about him. And though I, so if I wanted to write about him, I had, you know, my, my, you know, and I, I had limited resources, you know, I wasn't going to start traveling up to Cooperstown and going through the library there. Right. Right. I, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of my work was done in front of my computer at home and, you know, pulling, going through, um, the Saber bio project and the various, uh, niche, uh, profile books that existed through McFarland and a few other independent publishers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this, the 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 regret i have is that some of the players that i wanted to write about the the information on who they were and what they were about was very limited i mean i went through newspapers.com and there was some mention of who they were and what they were about but certainly not enough to write up a, you know, a profile of like maybe 150 to 200 words, mm-hmm. which was sort of my, my minimum for who they, you know, wanting to write about their, their life. Right. So that was, that was a frustrating part of it, but the, the, the rewarding part of it was I, I, I learned so much about these, you know, these players in terms of um, stuff that I, I, you know, I, I, I just, you know, it, I got a deeper appreciation for the the players who never really made a name—no pun intended—never sure. made a sure. name for themselves, but still had a life. Whether they served in the army, or whether they uh, they uh, became an umpire after their playing career was over, or some of the some of the you know, I I'm not, I wasn't a big history buff in terms of the pre-1900 players, but mm-hmm. I learned a, a hell of a lot just going through, you know, the profiles that I did go through, um, either online or through, uh, the books that I've researched. So, um, uh, that was the most rewarding part, just getting a greater appreciation for pre 1900 and, you know, early, early 1900s baseball players.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure there were some moonlight grams who didn't do much on the baseball field, but became pediatricians or whatever. So fun. For right,
1: them. So, right. 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 Two
0: part question and then uh, we'll start to get ready to let you go here so you're not hanging out with us too long today. But uh, okay. how, how many names do you anticipate profiling and what percent of them would you say you were aware of before?
1: Uh, I have profiled... This book will profile 100 names, and I would say I was familiar with 40, 45 of them. Wow.
0: Yeah. What, uh, what percent of them made you legitimately chuckle or tickled your, I wouldn't say funny bone, but your creative word wit, I guess, would be where I would put that.
1: Oh, I, I was all, all about, you know, uh, praying that if some somebody's name, you know, tickled my funny bone, that they, they, there was a sufficient profile to be written about. Um, you know, people, people of the internet age know of certain players already like John Walkenfuss you know <laughs> yep. great, great name fan yep. favorite from the Detroit Tigers in the 1970s and 80s but they don't know of Jake Atz ATZ who supposedly <laughs> changed his last name he was supposedly born Jacob Zimmerman and changed his name because he they, they gave out paychecks based on alphabetical order and one time they ran out of money before they got to him, so he Ooh. changed his name to ats so that he would never get shut out of a paycheck again. As
0: someone that who's suppos- freelanced before, that's supposedly
1: his, his his story.
0: That was the uh, that was the gig economy back then, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> that's tough.
1: So um, I, you know, I, I'm just. Uh, the 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 names themselves are 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 magical Mm -hmm. the the stories behind the names and then the stories of their careers um you know um that that just adds you know flavor to the book itself and and you know i've become a big fan of kai kai kyler and Mm, uh, because of because of his his career that I really didn't know about. I got to interview his great grandson mm-hmm. for the book, you know, so that was that was a treat. So, um it's been a it's been a, a wonderful journey just, you know, doing doing the historical research and, and putting these putting these names out there for people to learn about.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I wonder if you won't get like I wonder if the book won't take on a second life with descendants reaching out saying, you know, thank you for profiling my great uncle who was a Third baseman for the Boston Red Sox in 1941. You know he got seven games. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be kind of cool to see if it takes on that kind of second life. But is there anything in this last 45 minutes to an hour that we didn't touch on that you want people to know about this book specifically?
1: Um, that I hope it it spurs interest in. You know there uh, there there are, there are a, a great many players. Um, I, I focused mainly. This first book on players who are not active, currently active players, just because I wanted to have an endpoint for their careers, you know, in writing the book. I want I, I didn't want to get tied into, oh, I have to update their career through 2019 while I'm writing the book in 2018. Right. right. Um, if I do a second book, which I'm really hoping I can get myself to go and do, right. I will start including active players. And um, I've already researched, you know, and, and filtered through a bunch of, a bunch of lists. Um, the Laman baseball database has, you know, the list of, you know, every player who's ever played in the major leagues. And I've gone through that list. Um, I just want to, uh, I, I want people to appreciate that, Yes, these players had great, memorable names, but they also had stories behind them. They had, they had, they had life and death struggles. They had, they had addictions. They had, they had. Uh, there were, there were, you know, players of Indian descent. There were players of Jewish descent who suffered, sli- you know, slings and arrows of, mm-hmm. of you know, of uh, anti-Semitism and and anti. Anti Native Americanism, and um, there, there's just so many different stories for these players beyond the name itself. And I hope I hope people are appreciative of the player and the story.
0: Now I've seen the pre order page on Amazon. I'm prepared to put down some money for that. But where else can it be picked up, or is that still kind of in the works?
1: Uh, that is that's still in the works. Uh, we're going through Ingram Spark, which is a self publishing uh, house. And uh, they're going to be distributing through their their um, many different uh, venues. So I'll have further details, and I'll let people know through Facebook and Twitter.
0: Well, that's very exciting. Hopefully I can pick up a couple copies to give away on the show for a little bit of promotional material the closer we get. Well, not the closer. Once it's released, I guess. You can't give it away before it's out. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you coming on the show, and hopefully we can talk to you again real soon.
1: Oh. Thank you so much for having me and uh, have a great day.
0: So for DB Firstman, Justin Bailey, this is Brandon Warren saying thank you so much for checking out Midwest Wing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Rock over London, rock on Chicago.